You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, I'm Monica Bay. And I'm Bob Ambrogi. We've been writing about law and technology for more than 30 years. That's right. During that time, we've witnessed many changes and innovations. Technology is improving the practice of law, helping lawyers deliver their services faster and cheaper. Which benefits not only lawyers and their clients, but everyone. And moves us closer to the goal of access to justice for all. Tune in every month as we explore new legal technology and the people behind the tech. Here on Law Technology Now. Welcome to Law Technology Now. This is Bob Ambrogi. Joining me today is my guest, David Fisher, founder and CEO of Integra Ledger. Welcome to Law Technology Now, David. Hi, Bob. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm very glad to have you. And we're going to be talking uh, a little bit today about, I think, some concepts that may be still foreign to some of our some of our listeners. So I may I may get very elementary with you, uh, David, here today, and I, I hope you can uh, help us with that. But before I start talking about, uh, we're going to be talking about blockchain and, and its application in the legal space. Uh, before I do that, let me just ask you to tell us a little bit about your own background. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur, uh, going back to when I was 17 years old and running ice cream parlors full time while I was still in high school. Uh, so I guess that's where I got the entrepreneurial bug, and you know, from there I've I've never lost it. So it, I've owned multiple companies in various industries. Uh, I've utilized many, many attorneys along the way, uh, many large law firms. In fact, one of my co-founders would refer to me as a professional client. <laughs> uh, so that actually positioned me to do what I'm doing today, uh, which is working to innovate in some of the fundamental ways that the legal industry interoperates uh, securely. So you've recently, I think recently, founded something called Integra Ledger. Tell me about what that is. So Integra Ledger grew out of a project that started about two years ago to build a platform uh, for law firms and clients to collaborate more efficiently, more securely. And as I said, I'm a longtime client, so it's something I'm very passionate about because I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of legal services. And so going back a couple of years, one of my law firms asked me to provide feedback, provide advice on how they could improve client service. That led to a project, it led to a company actually, that developed a really a cutting edge collaboration platform for law firms and attorneys. That was case share, not case share. Clear legal. Well, clear legal. Clear legal, which, which became uh, Provatum. Yeah, okay. So that received widespread uh, enthusiasm and acclaim from predominantly large law firms, uh, large corporate in house legal departments. But what we discovered in doing that was that as much as the, the functionality of the front end, the UX, so the operational aspects of it for attorneys and clients was terrific. There's still the back-end issue of data security. It's something that, that lawyers and law firms wrestle with every day, frankly. Right. And, and, and even more so as you know, we hear about more hacks and more security vulnerabilities. So what we, we discovered was that blockchain as a technology, as a, almost as a technology paradigm, could be an answer uh, for not, not just a law firm or, or, or a company, but the entire legal ecosystem to bring much greater security, data integrity, and ultimately productivity 
to the legal ecosystem. That led us to launch Integra Ledger, which really is a service, almost a utility for the global legal industry, very foundational infrastructure designed to empower all the other stakeholders, so it's software companies, law firms, corporate legal departments, you name it, all of them to utilize that foundational blockchain infrastructure, which we call Integra Ledger, to build new, more secure, more efficient legal applications. So we, we think this is an empowering technology for the entire industry. So well, I think a lot of our listeners will, I hope, uh, have probably started to hear about blockchain. It's been talked a lot about recently, but we tend to think of it, or we tend to hear of it rather, in connection with cryptocurrency. What does blockchain have to do with law firm security issues and the security of client data or anything else? It's probably one of my favorite questions. Uh, so blockchain technology really hit the scene with the emergence of Bitcoin. So for those of you who've heard of Bitcoin, it, it's a so-called cryptocurrency. Without going into great detail, it solved what's commonly referred to as the double spend problem, which is, I mean, if you think about a $20 bill or a $100 bill, it has certain security features to prevent you from photocopying it you know, and passing that off as a legitimate uh, legal tender. In the digital realm, that's much harder to do. You literally could take a Word file and copy it. And uh, what Bitcoin invented, basically, is a system of distributed ledgers and hashing, so cryptographic hashing, uh, and a couple other technologies that created digital integrity uh, for data. And if you could do that for currency and value, which is what Bitcoin proved, Bitcoin as a system has never been hacked, which is interesting. I mean, so this spontaneous development of a, of a digital currency infrastructure, never hacked, currently has a, a total market value of $63 billion yeah. as of today. We, we saw that, and underneath it is this, this blockchain technology which made that possible. Our insight was to see how blockchain and, and those, those fundamental technological underpinnings of integrity and trust in the digital realm could be applied to an industry that's all about integrity and trust, and that, of course, is law. I mean, we want integrity in documents and right. contracts right. and signatures. And so we're taking some of the insights from the Bitcoin sort of currency application and applying them to the infrastructure of digital integrity uh, for law. So uh, give me a practical example of that. I mean, digital signatures. Is there an application here in terms of how we now uh, you know, sign and validate documents in the legal space? Yes. So the the Many, many companies are working on the notion of identity and blockchain-based identity. Identity, as we currently think about it, really doesn't exist with the individual. It exists with Google or Facebook or potentially DocuSign or EchoSign. You know, various companies, various services that we subscribe to, but fundamentally, our identities live on their servers. In right? terms of our digital signatures, you mean, or, or with, with just whatever? Like, like who that person is. So yeah. if, if you if you... Uh, sign up on for an account on Facebook. So it seems like your account, but it's actually an identity that Facebook owns you know, on Facebook. Right, I mean, okay. this is part of the reason attorneys have issues with cloud computing. Yeah. Like who actually owns the data, right. who possesses the data. The same is true with identity. You know, where is your identity? Who is your identity? With blockchain, 
there's an opportunity to have the identity actually reside with the individual. So if, if you're Bob Ambrosi and you have a unique digital, a blockchain-based digital signature that's only identified by you, and there's a public key, which is the public manifestation of that, and there's a private key, which only you have, that means that whenever you sign with that private key, uh, it's confirmed to be you, unless you'd given away your private key to someone. What that means is, in a blockchain world, you could sign documents at different companies, with different law firms, always with the same digital signature, with no intermediary. So your identity doesn't live with Google, it doesn't live with DocuSign, it doesn't live with anyone other than you. And so what, what this is almost surely going to herald in law is a system where every individual, every corporate entity, uh, will have its own unique digital identity owned and controlled by that individual or entity, such that a fully interoperable uh, signature ecosystem, if you will, uh, without the need for special services. And I can imagine that identity would then begin to extend beyond signatures and into, you know, uh, I don't know, billing. I mean, if it's your identity and you're a client working with multiple law firms, that identity carries through those firms in terms of how they're billing you and invoicing you and, I don't know, tracking your matters? Uh, does it extend out in that way? The way we think of this is that any unique attribute, any unique data model, and by data model you, you could be referring to a document, a contract, a clause in a, in a document, a lawsuit, a matter, anything that's unique uh, and has a digital representation you know, can have a blockchain-based identity. And that's the basis for the ecosystem uh, that we're standing up for the global legal industry. So yes, if you can sign you know, with a unique digital signature, the identity of the contract you're signing can have its own unique identity. The counterparties, the other signatures, have their identities. And you start to see how we're creating this web of trust, or what we call a society of trust, where if everything can be uniquely confirmed and identified, and you have tremendous integrity without regard to what software system you're using, what document management system you're using, where everything can be uniquely confirmed as, as unique uh, and valid. So David, what is a ledger and what is Integra Ledger doing within the context of legal industry? So a ledger is as it sounds. I mean, it's a sequential, document or digital document or record or table uh, where you just write entries. So in a traditional sense, you know, a bank might have a ledger or a business might have a ledger and you write transaction after transaction to that ledger. What's unique about a distributed ledger or a blockchain-based ledger is you can only write to these. You can't erase, you can't change, you can only append, you can only write that's very important because if you want trust in the validity and integrity of what's on the ledger, you want to know that it cannot be changed. And so the nature of blockchain distributed ledger technology is write only. Integra Ledger follows that pattern you know, in the sense that it's a distributed ledger, so every big law firm, every large corporation, university, institutions running a full node, as we would call them, which is really just a copy of the ledger, have you know, with absolute uniqueness and integrity, the entire list of entries in that ledger. It's a digital ledger. 
and that's copied across all nodes. And the fact that everyone has a copy of those encrypted entries means that there's you, you can trust what's written there. If you only if you can only write to the ledger, and everyone has a copy of the ledger, then what you see on the ledger uh, must be true. I realize this is way oversimplification, but I keep thinking back to the early days of Napster, when Napster was a distributed music service where there was not a central server somewhere where all these MP3 files were sitting, but rather they were distributed across a whole network of computers and, and basically being pirated in that way and distributed illegally in that way. And I realize it's not the same kind of a thing you're talking about, but I keep coming back to that image of, of uh, uh, distributed uh, files across a network of nodes around computers. In the legal industry, I attended an event recently in which you were part of and announcing the launch of something called the Global Legal Blockchain Consortium. Did you I get it right? Okay. Um, and what is that, and, and what is that trying to do in the legal industry? Extremely important question. With the Bitcoin blockchain, or the Ethereum blockchain, which is another public uh, cryptocurrency blockchain-based system, those are called trustless systems which means per your Napster example, yes, people are connecting with each other without an intermediary, and there's trust in the distributed ledger blockchain architecture. For the legal industry, that poses some problems in the sense that we don't need a trustless system with anonymity, and quite, in fact, it's quite the opposite. I mean, we know the counterparties, law firms know the other law firms they're working with, clients certainly know each other, they're involved in a transaction or a lawsuit, so the need for a so-called trustless system or anonymity just is not the case in law. And in fact, we do need to know who the counterparties are. Certainly know your customer, their anti-money laundering issues in some cases with transactions. And so what we needed was a system where there was governance you know, with clearly understood rules, but governance by the industry itself. So just like law is a self-governed industry, we felt that the technology foundation that we're building for this needs to have the same self-governance. And so that's big corporate in-house legal departments, big law firms, universities, software companies, all the stakeholders governing this infrastructure that then empowers trust and integrity in the system. So do they, do the members of this consortium become the hosts of nodes on this blockchain or? or? Some of them. The, the purpose of the consortium itself is to set standards so what is identity? How is this going to be used? Uh, what's the governance? What, what allows the system to change the rules? And there has to be trust in that system. First and foremost, the consortium is about setting those rules and then ensuring that there's a community governance trust aspect to this. Secondly, or secondarily, there's the, the, the question of hosting the node, hosting the ledger. Certainly, we would expect that anyone in the consortium would be running a node, but that's not exclusive to the people who are, say, on the board of directors of the consortium. So at, at this stage of the game, when we're still developing standards, still developing governance, I mean, there's, there's a, an initial group you know, that's come together, so it's big law firms, big companies, so IBM, Oric is a big law firm, Baker Hostetler, those types of firms, to initially join to set those standards, set the initial governance, uh, we're still actually in the process of forming uh, the consortium and adding the initial members. Uh, and so anyone that's, that hears this, it's interested in uh, learning more about that, we're absolutely accepting uh, new founding members. All right, and you've also 
launched something, if I have this right, the Integra Ledger Academic Alliance? Yes. What is that and what are they doing? So as I've, I've mentioned, we, we're trying to engage all the stakeholders in the system. This is deep level foundational technology. I mean, we're not creating applications for this. This is yeah. infrastructure for yeah. everyone else. Yeah. So we've, we felt that with new generations of lawyers coming through the system and, and young tend to be more tech savvy, people that have maybe used Bitcoin and, and Ether and Ethereum, to empower them to understand what this is as infrastructure that they may be using you know, when, when they enter the, the formal practice of law. We felt it was, it was ideal to engage the law schools, both for the purpose of educating the students, as well as developing further standards you know, and protocols to use on the system. So it's, it's both law schools, universities, computer science departments, uh, stakeholders, frankly, you know, at, at, which we think is a critical component as the future of law. So Integra Ledger is a business for you, I assume. What is the business model? How do you make money off of doing this? It's, to give you an example that will help people to understand how it's structured, if you think about the early days of the internet and uh, the domain name system and DNS and name registry, this is set up similar to ICANN and Network Solutions. So Network Solutions was a private company that was engaged under contract you know, with ICANN to develop the domain name registry system. And eventually that sunsetted once the infrastructure was built and now you can register domains with thousands Go if down. not tens of thousands <laughs> of, of, of companies. Yeah. Uh, Integra uh, initially is, is set up in a similar fashion where to create the infrastructure, really it's on a governed utility basis, governed by the Global Legal Blockchain Consortium for a set period of time to stand up the infrastructure so that the entire industry, and when I say industry, worldwide, so it's government, private, criminal, corporate, you name it, like all of the, we, we call it a new legal fabric, blockchain-based fabric. The economic model is a, is a contracted, basically regulated one for a set period of time just to build the infrastructure uh, and then it'll be a competitive open market. Okay, do you envision that there will be other consortia focusing on law and if so, how do you normalize or, or bring together the work of those different consortia? Uh, we haven't seen that yet for what we're talking about, which is business of law. We, we have seen that with smart contracts, which is what we would call an application layer uh, on top of what we're doing. So we're, we're not involved in smart contract standard setting, okay. but there are other consortia that are focused on that. We have not yet seen what that, that's focused on core legal identity. Yeah. Uh, and much as the world benefits from a consistent system of domain name registration. Right. I mean, it's, it's right. unified, it's, it all makes sense, everything interoperates. We think that there's no benefit to having multiple standards, multiple competing standards. Yeah. In the event that another one emerges, we would certainly try to unify them at right. that time, but for the moment, uh, no one else has proposed a standard setting body you know, at this foundational level. Yeah. What do you see as the future of blockchain in, in the legal profession, the legal industry? I'm not sure it's going to be noticeable to the average attorney or average client, because most of, most of what it empowers is behind the scenes with respect to data security, which my favorite expression right now is that, that legal technology is at terminal complexity, meaning that for all the wonderful new functionality we'd like to build, it's so hard to integrate that into the disparate systems that currently exist 
that the act of actually trying to integrate it increases attack vectors. Yeah. And so, that's, so I refer to this as, as terminal complexity. We think blockchain standards underneath this, underneath the legal industry, will start to rewire the industry for just greater security, greater data integrity, such that more innovation can occur plugged into a more secure infrastructure. See, so again, the average attorney, average client may not notice anything, but behind the scenes, we're talking about greater privacy, greater security, and eventually greater functionality as people can build more uh, on top of that without worrying about the risk. So as these standards are written, applications uh, and functionality will have to be written to conform to those standards, essentially, in some ways. Yeah, and that's part of the reason we're at Clio. We're, we're good friends with the Clio folks. Uh, Clio is a great example as of a a nearly ubiquitous practice management application with many functions, many integration partners, yeah. and to the extent that Clio uh, becomes hopefully more blockchain-centric uh, in its core identities yeah. you know, behind, behind the scenes, it makes Clio more secure, it makes all of its integration partners more secure. Uh, yeah. So I think that's how it's going to transform it. Yeah. Well, I think we talk about Clio. We're, we're, we're here, I don't think we mentioned, we're here at the Clio conference uh, recording this live right now. and. You know, a lot of the Clio uh, users tend to be more smaller, mid-sized firms, not maybe some of the, the I, I know the, the, uh, the consortium, I think at this point, is kind of more large firm oriented. How does the small firm lawyer start to, you know, get his or her arms around blockchain and what it means for their practice? The, well, actually, there, there's a session going on right now. <laughs> Go there. <laughs> We're missing um, it. Uh, I think first and foremost, getting a, a, a basic education, what blockchain is, uh, is helpful. Yeah. I, I would encourage attorneys, uh, encourage anyone, frankly, to go through the process of figuring out how to buy a, you know, some Bitcoin, just yeah. to understand yeah. what that means to actually buy some and have yeah. a wallet and wrestle with those yeah. problems. You might want to wait a while to buy it, but yeah, fair <laughs> <laughs> but but to but yeah. you know, even if it's if it's two dollars worth, I mean, yeah. just just right. to see yeah. what that process yeah. is. Yeah demystify it. Uh, I think the you know, one way to stay in touch certainly is to go to the consortium website. So it's legalconsortium.org uh, is, is a place where you can get your name on a list and get updates, get information. Certainly one of the missions of the consortium is education. And so that's one way to learn more. Beyond that, there are many good TED Talks uh, online and YouTube. Uh, and so if you want to learn more just about the technology, uh, that's a good place to start. Yeah. How's that? That's good. <laughs> uh, we are just about out of time here. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to give us any, if you have any closing thoughts or anything else you wanted to share or mention about this before we wrap up. Yeah, so I think the whether you're an attorney at a big firm or a solo or a small firm or in-house or government, wherever you are, whoever you are, the Global Legal Blockchain Consortium, which is really where this starts, is where you belong. We, we're engaging everybody in this effort. Again, it's a standard setting exercise. So it's not about selling software. It's not about paying fees or dues. It's none of that. It's, it's trying to unify the industry globally around standards so that as, as attorneys, as legal service providers, we can provide more service, better service to clients uh, and do so in a way that's secure and private. And so I think you know, to at least sign up for more information uh, is the ideal starting point to have connectivity to this effort, and it's a global effort. And I think in the in the months ahead, you'll see many 
you know, terrific developments around that, and, and that'll be software providers, it'll be education, it'll be seminars and workshops around the country, around the world. So probably the best starting point is go to that website, legalconsortium.org, sign up, you know, get on the mailing list, and uh, go from there. Sounds good. I, I noticed you've also, I don't know if you've, uh, you have a website or not, but I noticed you've had some posts up on Medium uh, under the Integra name, uh, a couple of, about the future of blockchain in the yes, legal industry yes. and that sort of thing that have been really good too. Uh, so people might want to just Google your name and, and look for those. They, they, I can tell you they come up in a Google search because I just saw them the other day. Well, I think that's good. David Fisher, I really appreciate your taking the time to be with me today and to talk to us a little bit about uh, all the interesting work you're doing. My pleasure. Thank you Thanks. very much. Thanks for being with us. And that about does it for this episode of Law Technology Now. If you like what you're hearing, please go to uh, the Apple Store and uh, give us a two thumbs up. Thanks, everybody, at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.